Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we parse through the weekly decisions being made by our political leaders that impact the Black community. You ready? Let's do it. We're back. Welcome to season two of The Drip. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the Christmas break and last week, including... Falls from grace due to COVID travel... O'Toole called out for his Trump-like rhetoric. The stock market getting high with weed. Soho Karen is on the loose. Hide your phones. (laughs) Big congrats to new senators Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. Peaceful protesters storming the U.S. Capitol. And plenty more. So, Patience, how was your vacation? Where'd you go? Yo, (laughs) I took a trip. From the office to the living room. And, and what, what about you? True, true, true. I mean, I, I went to um, uh, I went to St. Bedroom. <laughs> and uh, there was a stopover in the living room as well. It was lit. I can't lie. I can't lie. I was, you know, I was just following in the footsteps of many politicians across the country and their staffers who traveled during Christmas even while Public Health Canada told us to stay home as cases surged. The hypocrisy is real, isn't it? Yeah, man. What's wild is that it happened across the political spectrum, too, highlighting that there isn't a monopoly on hypocrisy or hubris or contempt for our intelligence. While the vast majority of Canadians have been listening to health guidelines and staying home, we know this because air travel is down 90%. So why don't we do a quick rundown of some of the politicians who've fallen from grace, starting with Rod Phillips. Up until last week, he was Ontario's finance minister, easily one of the top jobs in the country, considering Ontario's economic power in the Federation. He decided, patience, to take a vacation to St. Bart's of all places. Wow. Even going as far as taking a meeting while literally being on the beach. Like, there's video of him being in committee with a virtual background up behind him of the legislature, while there are sounds of waves hitting the beach. We caught Cassidy. <laughs> it gets worse. Wow. He went so far as to try to fool Ontarians by making a series of social media posts over a few days showing him visiting small businesses in Ajax or urging Ontarians to continue to make sacrifices from his blood plot living room. This guy even had a scene where he had like milk and cookies by a fireplace and shit. Like, wow. <laughs> wow. Yo, take this in, take this in. What gave him away was him wearing the same clothes in every post. Who the hell wears the same clothes every day? He didn't even try, fam. He didn't even try. <laughs> I mean, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we all do right now because of COVID, but you see my point, obviously, right? <laughs> this dude, he reeks of privilege. 
But more importantly, our COVID strategy only works when those with power set the right example. Ross' action struck a major blow to confidence in the Ontario government's COVID plan, and we need the plan to be accepted so we beat this virus. So yeah, he had to go. Get the flow. (laughs) (laughs) Then there's Liberal MP Kamal Kara from Brampton West, who went to Seattle on December 23rd for a small memorial service for her dad and uncle, who both died last year. I think this is an example of where we have to kind of take circumstance into consideration because for one, she's a nurse, right? She caught COVID herself. She was, she was literally the first MP in Canada to get it. So she's been through a lot and she actually did follow the guidelines around essential travel, which say you should only be leaving the country to do things like, you know, go to funerals of close family members. Unfortunately, she was stripped of her parliamentary secretary role. Then there's the example of Manitoba's Nikki Ashton of the NDP, who traveled to Greece during the break to be with her sick grandmother. She was stripped of her cabinet critic role, and she's pretty prominent. So how do we feel about this, patients? Are, are we upset about all this travel by politicians across the country? And, and how do you feel about travel restrictions being lifted? So definitely, when we look at the case of Rod Phillips, who was third in command in this province and was definitely in the inner circle uh, in, in the inner circle that made the decision around Ontario's lockdown, mm-hmm. how, how dare you be in St. Bart's while the whole province is completely locked down and we can't even go to Denny's, fam? <laughs> we can't even go to Denny's, okay? I wanted my Christmas pancakes, fam. Anyway, so I think that Rod Phillips absolutely needed to be stripped or needed to step down from that role because that is a role where being a, a leader and, and operating as a role model for the province is particularly important. Now, pivoting to the, the case of the, the liberal MP, uh, Kamal Kara, it, it, it does seem that we, we need to offer some, some grace. We're still human beings. Uh, and we're social beings. And if if a member of of my of my immediate family were to die, and that person did not live in Canada but lived very close to Canada, I would want to to be there to 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 get some closure and to to ensure that that um I, I said goodbye. And I'm not I'm not sure if we're quite at the point where we want to remove um that 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 privilege. Uh, and, but 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 it is like, and I use the word privilege intentionally. It, it is still a, a bit of a privilege, right, to be in this global pandemic and still be able to to, to travel outside of your country. Now, the case of Nikki Ashton, for me, it sits a little bit in the in the middle. There, it's not as as audacious as what Rod Phillips did, but it's also Greece. It, like it, she may have been a, a spreader from Canada that that would spread to Greece, or the other way around, she may have you know picked up another strand of the virus from Greece and taken it back. And I I don't know. I, I think it, it's 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 something that that could be um, weighed a little bit differently. But I do think it was inappropriate there. Yeah. In terms of travel restrictions being lifted, we're not there yet, fam. Aren't cases still growing exponentially? They are. They are. I don't, I don't get it. Why would we do that? I, I don't know. What, what's your opinion? Yeah. I mean, my thoughts, I want to say that this is black and white, but it's not, right? Because we all knew the travel guidelines on one hand and most Canadians followed them. Like overwhelmingly, most Canadians followed them. So why didn't these elected officials? But at the same time, some of these MPPs worked tirelessly to get PPE and other essential items to their constituents. They deserve a break too. 
I also want to say that instead of being vindictive, we should be more thoughtful. But that also ignores the very real feelings of contempt a lot of Canadians are feeling right now for their elected officials, especially people like Rod Phillips or numerous politicians out of Alberta. Then there's the reality that less than 2% of COVID cases are transmitted through travel, meaning it's extremely safe, especially when testing and quarantine protocols are followed. And they are pretty stringent right now. COVID also affects different demographics differently, right? So while it's absolutely true that COVID can kill anyone, it's far less likely to kill someone more in the middle class or who's more affluent, partly because we aren't as exposed to the virus. For example, we started working from home instead of still having to go into the office or going to the, you know, going to work. We don't really work on the front lines and we don't really have overpopulated homes either. And let's be real, folks lower on the economic ladder, they just aren't traveling right now. They don't have the means. So I don't know. Maybe we should loosen up on travel restrictions for those who clearly demonstrate that they aren't sick. I don't know. I'm I'm still when I think about a frontline worker, I absolutely think of healthcare workers. Uh, but I also, in that same vein, think about high-profile politicians like the former um, Minister of Finance, Rod Phillips, oh. who is is leaving his home, is is interacting with um, other folks in, in in Queens Park, and is you know going to media announcements and things of that nature. So, I think maybe our understanding of frontline workers should be expanded. But I agree with what you're saying. Like everything you're saying is backed with with facts. Uh, so I agree that folks like like you and I who are working from home and have smaller households, absolutely. But for, for Rod Phillips, I don't know. I think there should be there, there should be more consideration um but before traveling for um your annual vacation to your timeshare in St. Bart's <laughs> The privilege was real. Honestly. (laughs) Jumping to another story, Aaron O'Toole set off yet another firestorm over the break by insinuating that criminals will get vaccinated before frontline health workers, which was odd because that's not true. As former Whitby MP Selena Caesar Chavan pointed out, for example, frontline health workers are already getting the vaccine. There's also the reality that, according to Public Safety Minister Bill Blair, only 5% of federal prisoners, that's like 600 people who are elderly or sick, are going to get vaccinated on a priority basis. Here's another major concern. We've talked on the podcast before about how Black and Indigenous prisoners are way overrepresented in our criminal justice system. We also know that about 70% of federal prisoners in Ontario alone are in fact innocent, but are awaiting trial in jail. So, Aaron, what gives? Similarly, I found it super ironic to see Aaron O'Toole's statement about the insurrection on the U.S. Capitol, considering that we all know that the heated rhetoric of Trump and his cronies was a key contributor to that insurrection. And Aaron O'Toole has been following Trump's rhetoric playbook. What do I mean? Dude's official campaign slogan while running to take over from Andrew Scheer was, quote, take back Canada. Which obviously sounds a lot like make America great again, which begs the question, take Canada back from who? Taking Canada back suggests something's been stolen. And one doesn't simply say take Canada back in a country built on colonization and forcibly seizing land from indigenous people without raising a few eyebrows. So it's right that O'Toole is taking heat for this. What are your thoughts, Patience? 
This guy's crazy, man. <laughs> I, I really, <laughs> I, I, I really don't understand why he's bringing out the dog whistle to kind of heighten the awareness of, of people who don't like black and brown people. Because at the end of the day, this is a health issue. This is not a, a, a criminal justice issue. I think we can all agree that the setting inside a, a prison or inside a correctional facility is very similar to the setting inside a long-term care home. Yep. Of course, the, the sentiments behind what a long-term care home is and, and what, what a correctional facility are are different, but it's it's very much the same. So not only are you putting the, the folks who are incarcerated at risk um, and by the way, these people are human beings. And like you said, most of them are innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're putting the guards, you're putting the parole officers, the probation officers, everyone who works in that system at a heightened risk. And mm-hmm. for, for what, really? I, I don't really understand uh, why you would ignore the risks that are present in that situation just because you want to what? Well... Unfortunately, as irresponsible as it is, I don't see him changing his tune, and here's why. If you look at the political landscape, patients, Aaron O'Toole has to contend with a strong right wing in the West, which, by the way, another party, the Maverick Party, is trying to tap into. If he doesn't go hard right, which he's doing, the Maverick Party will simply come in to take that support, and the conservative brand will die. So that may be why we hear about conservatives like Don Platt and even conservative deputy leader Candace Bergen flirting with Trumpism even in this era of awakening of white supremacy and systemic racism. Either way, this will not end well. Speaking of hate, Proud Boys may be in trouble, finally, as 25,000 Canadians signed a petition calling for the white supremacist group to be added to Canada's terror watch list. The NDP followed suit with a petition of their own. Although the Prime Minister hasn't yet committed to it, his government has been moving ahead with designating terror groups on our watch list, like when he designated two white supremacist groups on the list for the first time in 2019, Blood and Honor and its militant wing, Combat 18. Wow. Yeah. It's worth noting as well that being put on the list isn't necessarily a crime, but it does give the state extraordinary powers to investigate and prosecute. It gives more ways for the state to charge criminals, namely with terrorism financial assets are frozen, and it stops the ability of others to do business with the person or entity in question. And for the record, hate groups have tripled since 2015 to 300. And of course, 2015 is when Justin Trudeau became prime minister. The hope is that designating groups like the Proud Boys as terror organizations will lead to their dismantling member by member, similar to what's likely being done to Blood and Honor. And the designation must come soon because we've seen how violent these groups can be. Again, Proud Boys were literally responsible for the insurrection on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. And Blood and Honor member William Von Newtongem killed a Muslim Torontonian outside a mosque in September 2020. So what are your thoughts on all that, Patience? Put them on the list. Put them on the damn list. Jumping to the Canadian economy, 2021 may be showing itself to be an absolute shit show with what happened in the U.S., but if you're invested in the right stocks right now, you're probably laughing. Thursday in particular saw massive gains on the TSX as it grew as high as 17,986 points, going even further than the all-time high of 17,970 points that was achieved 
just in February. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man, the growth is real. For perspective, the TSX has grown almost 60% since hitting the floor at the onset of the pandemic last March. Thursday's rally was basically the market saying, good grief, after Congress finally certified President Biden as the empire's new commander-in-chief, even as white supremacist terrorists stormed the Capitol the day before. The market is also betting on investments in key sectors that will likely be favored under a Biden administration, including clean tech and energy, and that the U.S. will see stimulus spending from Biden that will ultimately help boost corporate profits, too. A key sector all investors should be watching right now? Weed, baby. Now that the U.S. is about to be run entirely by Democrats, the expectation is that the federal legalization of weed is coming soon. That manifested itself in Aurora and cannabis canopy growth, both being up about 6%. And for context, last month, the U.S. House voted to legalize it in a vote of 228 to 164. That's, that's not a slim majority, which is interesting because what that reflects is the increasingly progressive shift in America, as well as global views on weed over the past decade. For example, polls show support for legalization now at 68% in the United States, which grew 20% since 2012 alone, since Colorado and Washington legalized in their states. Even conservative jurisdictions like Mississippi and South Dakota voted to allow medical or recreational weed on Election Day in November. And the United Nations also voted last month to loosen treaty restrictions on weed. So what are your thoughts on why the market is rallying so hard? And how long do you think before weed is legal at the federal level in the U.S.? I want to answer the second question first. Mm -hmm. I do think that it's just a matter of of referenda, uh, like a a couple of referenda before this is happening at the federal level in the U.S. It's inevitable. I think as soon as you start with one state and it goes really well, like it has in in Colorado in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just going to pick up and folks can really see um, what what we're what's happening with this this particular plant. Now, in terms of why the market is rallying so hard, I mean, I hope I, I, I hope that it's because marijuana is a kind of a democratic kind of drug. Perhaps it's 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 easy to to grow. Perhaps it's easy to turn into its its various forms, and and you know, it, it is a kind of medical godsend. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't really know. Like I, I would love to know why it's rallying so hard because I do think that this is kind of predictable for for weed to to be legal and for it to be used widely across the western world what do you think yeah you know i i I don't know but maybe it's a great question to ask akila when she joins us on the pod in a few weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) so long story short if you're not investing yet you should start and when you do you might want to include some cannabis stocks in the mix To kick off our Blackity Black Black segment, we wanted to touch on the story of Maureen Ambersley, who was a member of the Black community and a member of the healthcare community, who unfortunately passed. Maureen Ambersley's unfortunate and untimely passing is a stark example of how COVID has disproportionately infected people of color, especially since many of us work in outbreak hotspots like long-term care homes and warehouses. Reflecting the fact that COVID is more lethal for people with pre-existing conditions, Maureen had hypertension and was borderline diabetic. She also worked somewhere that didn't give a damn about her. In late December, when she called in sick to extend a care in Mississauga, they were still trying to get her into work. 
saying that she had to do a test. And if the results were negative, even with her still being sick, she'd have to turn up on the job. She tested positive on Christmas Eve, just a day after the first of her colleagues started getting COVID shots. She was admitted to Brampton Civic Hospital on Christmas morning after her symptoms worsened, and she never returned home. To hear her story makes this tragedy even more sad, considering she came to Canada for a better life, gave so much, and had more to give. When she came to Toronto from Jamaica at age 18, she spent her first week sleeping in a bus station because it was hard to connect with her aunt, who was her only contact here. She secured menial jobs over time as a cleaner, then a dental assistant, then a PSW. She married and divorced when her kids were young, but she kept striving. Even with children and full-time work, she went to school to become a registered practical nurse and eventually earned her master's. Come on, sis. So how did this happen? Her team was overworked and understaffed, much like many other long-term care homes. Even in the eight months that the virus raged on, staffing levels did not change. And for perspective, she once finished her 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift and was forced to stay until 10 p.m. that same day to cover another shift when a colleague couldn't make it. She was a support system to so many, and I wish she wasn't gone. I think we need to honor her sacrifice to others because she truly reflected the best in humanity, caring for others, even when it put herself at risk. I I think it's really important that in the face of anti-maskers, anti-vaccinators, this, this movement that we're seeing in the middle class that is illustrating that, you know, COVID is fake or we don't need to take this as seriously. I think it's really important that we look at stories like this and rest in peace, Maureen. Um, and, and I really want all of our listeners to think about Maureen's children and the loss that they've just experienced and think about the value of the, the largely women who work in long-term care homes, but, but definitely um, women and, and men, black and brown people who work in these spaces and consider whether it's worth you getting vaccinated or, or you wearing a mask. And, and think about it in the context of this story. It's, it's devastating. This woman has been working since being 18 and arriving in this country. And this is what we, we gave her. This is what we did to her. Some of you may have seen the viral footage of a young man, Moses DeMayan, who was arrested this week on his way to get a bubble tea in Scarborough. Police claim to have been enforcing the Reopening Ontario Act, and witnesses claim that Moses refused to show his identification and later called one of the officers a pig. DeMayan then alleged himself that he was punched in the face and suggests to the officers, this is all on film, that they aren't allowed to punch him in the face just for having called them a name. The confrontation was escalated and harsh words were spoken before he was taken to a squad car for obstructing police. A few hours later, Moses had allegedly committed suicide and was dropped off by police to the hospital. This is such an unfortunate and arguably avoidable situation. And I, w- I want to say rest in peace to Moses. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. The Mayan and to, to send a reminder to everyone that black and brown lives do matter and to stay safe out there. Now, when this story was being reported by the Toronto Sun, they asked a local lawyer for his opinion of the incident. And here is what Oshawa-based lawyer Marty Gobin said, quote, allowing illegal arrests and threats of arrests caught on camera to go unpunished can create distrust between members of the public and all of the good police officers who would never dream of engaging in such behavior. A government which tolerates this conduct is also a far greater threat to public health than anyone hanging out in a parking lot, end quote. I think that's really, really well said. And one of my fears and anxieties at the beginning of of this lockdown, and not this particular lockdown, but I guess this whole state of emergency uh, in, in March, was that law enforcement was going to use new legislation or or legislation that people aren't very well educated on to uh, force people to do things that are um that, that are not in their interest and and that they they don't have the right to ask them to do uh, and it does seem like like this is a a perfect example of that truly truly a avoidable situation what are your thoughts on this curtis yeah, yeah. It also does seem that this is, you know, the continuation of, as you pointed out, um, the state using tools to target people of color. Yep. Um, you know, since the onset of COVID, we've heard stories of Black women, Black men, obviously uh, the Asian community, obviously they experienced a lot. Yeah. Um, so this is this is simply a continuation of that. And I, I, I despise it. <laughs> Moving on to another story from our Blackity Black Black News. This week, the world was introduced to its newest and perhaps youngest Karen. <laughs> 22-year-old Mia Ponsetto is better known right now for the way that she disrespected my auntie, Gail <laughs> on CBS, but should really be known for what she initially did to even get that interview with Gail. On December 26th, Mia was staying at the Arlo Hotel in Soho, New York City, and had misplaced her phone. Of course, we've all been there, right? We've all misplaced our phones and, you know, but, but Mia's a bit different. Upon seeing, <laughs> upon seeing a 14-year-old black boy with an iPhone, easily the most popular phone in the United States, she assumed the phone he was carrying was hers and began yelling that he stole her phone. So. She, she's yelling that he stole her phone. She tells hotel management that this is indeed her iPhone that he is using. And when he refuses to give him what is indeed his phone, his property, she tackles him with both hands. Now, I want to be clear that what, what, what is seen on this video, and the video will be available in the show notes, 
what is seen in this video is a two-handed tackle. I have to watch football now because my boyfriend insists that I watch it with him. And that is what they do in football. Both hands with the intention of bringing someone down to the floor. So when she knocks him down to the ground and attempts to pull the phone from his hands, only then do people intervene to pull this irate, belligerent woman, 22-year-old woman, off Mm -hmm. of a 14-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, this boy named Keon Harold Jr. was accompanied by his father, Keon Harold Sr., who was a Grammy award-winning trumpet player, and he was not having it. He recorded the entire incident on his phone and was able to kind of bring the incident to to, to light and, and get some traction around it because, of course, he's a Grammy award-winning trumpet player who has, you know, accompanied folks like Jay-Z and, and Beyonce and Rihanna and, and has that that reach. But most of us would not have that reach. What's really important here is that Five minutes after the altercation had ended and the Heralds had gone next door to the hotel to go get some breakfast because this is in the morning in New York City. Five minutes after they left, an Uber driver returned to the hotel and gave Mia Ponsetto her phone back. Ponsetto has been charged with attempted robbery and will appear before court later this month. Her lawyer and, and folks who are close to Mia have been claiming that there was a mental health issue uh, that is in part responsible for her behavior during this incident. But I'm I'm sick of it. We need to (laughs) stop. We got to stop using mental health as an excuse for bad behavior. I do agree that there are instances where mental health is absolutely a factor, but racism and, and bad behavior and entitlement was completely at play here, and this was not uh, an incident that that involved mental health. What, what are your thoughts on this? Have you seen the video? Have you seen the video, Curtis? I Absolutely, I saw the video. I saw her go on Gail, and I saw her disrespect herself. Goes <laughs> around her, but not not even just Gail, because even the lawyer, the lawyer at one point was like, "Yo, yo, shut the fuck up." Like, <laughs> <laughs> And then that same lawyer ended up saying, honestly, like through a series of statements, I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but she said, honestly, I, I, I've never had a client that shot herself in the foot so badly, and it is going to be hard to represent her. Yeah. Uh, I guess that all feeds into the whole play about mental health, but God damn. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to stories from the world. At this point, we we all know what happened in Washington, D.C. at the U.S. Capitol. But as for for due process, I want to outline what happened and in what order, like in chronological order, so that I can highlight how we all missed some of the most recent steps that were taken to crush the U.S. democratic system in favor of one man's ego. Let's start with Trump's declarations on Twitter. For weeks, President Trump and his supporters have been proclaiming that January 6th, 2021 was a day of reckoning. He tweeted on December 27th, quote, see you in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Don't miss it. Information to follow, end quote. And then on December 20th, in all caps, no less, (laughs) quote, January 6th, 
See you in DC! Exclamation point. End quote. On the first day of our new year, 2021, he continued, quote, The big protest rally in Washington, D.C. will take place at 11 a.m. on January 6th. Locational details to follow. Stop the steal! Exclamation point. End quote. These, my friends, were dog whistles. Trump was speaking directly to his base. And although we all have access to Trump's Twitter we didn't recognize that this was the organization required to get a mob prepared to storm the Capitol. Then we come to Tuesday, January 5th, the day of Georgia's runoff Senate election. This was another super, super close race. And we see Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff win seats. Uh, this, is, this is huge. They are both Democrats. Um, This race is really, really important because these seats basically earn the Democratic Party a majority in the Senate. And we have seen that the Senate is a really, really important chamber of of government or level of government in order to get legislation through and in order to appoint folks to the bench and, and on all that kind of stuff. As an important aside here, though, Warnock becomes the first African-American from Georgia to be elected to Senate, and Ossoff becomes the state's first Jewish senator. And at 33 years old, he's also the youngest member. He's, just, he's basically around our age, Curtis. Mm-hmm. He, also, uh, he also interned for the late John Lewis. Huge. Yeah. So it's great to see the figurative passing of the torch. Yeah. And remember, I I like to say that we're on a moving train and Georgia is really showing us that people are not static, right? Especially in the states where I talk about red and blue states and Georgia has typically been a red state. And with the work of Stacey Abrams uh, in the last couple of months, things have changed. They have tapped into a voter base that has been able to, 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 you know, show that, that people want something different. AP VoteCast, in a survey of more than 3,700 voters in Tuesday's contests, found that Black voters made up roughly 30% of the electorate, and almost all of them, 94%, backed Ossoff and Warnock. We're going to ignore the other 6%. (laughs) The Democrats also relied on the backing of younger voters uh, and people earning less than 50K annually and newcomers to the state, folks who had just moved into the great state of Georgia. AP VoteCast also found that Trump's claims about voter fraud in the 2020 election, while meritless, did resonate with Republican voters in Georgia. About 7 in 10 of Republican voters in Georgia agreed with his false assertion that Biden was not the legitimately elected president. Yeah, and I think I saw, I I believe it was on CNN, that 45% of, of Republicans were okay with the Capitol insurrection. Which is wild. Yep. But I want to really talk about this Capitol takeover, and I want to be choosy with my words. Mm. The media has called this group a mob, uh, a group of protesters, a group of rioters, um, a, a terrorist group. And ultimately, what they were doing on Wednesday... January 6th was using violence to stop the lawful certification of the electoral college vote. Now, Curtis, have you ever been to the U.S. Capitol building? Not yet. So I went 
there in 2018 just by myself i was just really curious about about everything and before you get to the u.s capital you actually go online and you're supposed to register for a certain time for your tour hmm. or you're supposed to have an appointment and then they grant you access to the building based on the the, the time of your appointment Security is super stiff, way, way stiffer than we we ever experience in Canada, really, except for maybe um, when you're going into a jail uh, in, in, in Ontario. It's really rare for us to experience that level of, of security. So mm. when when I, you know, hear folks who were at the Capitol that day uh, and I see some images I'm not sure that this was a storming of the Capitol as much as this was doors opened for the Capitol. And you just mentioned 45% of Republicans believe that what happened on January 6th was legitimate, justified, warranted. Mm -hmm. How many of those people may have been uniformed guards working at the Capitol that day? Well, based on what we saw in videos, it looks like a lot. Right. So apparently that doesn't just doesn't change the fact that protesters, quote, knocked over barricades, pushed back, pushed past cordons of officers and broke windows. Um, But really, I saw a lot of friendly relationships between guards and officers and and, and protesters. Of course, we all know that that at, at some point tear gas was released in the Capitol Rotunda and Congress members were told to don gas masks and, and that had been stored under their seats. We know this, of course, because of Elizabeth from Knoxville, Tennessee, <laughs> who is now basically a meme uh, and was interviewed when she left the U.S. Capitol and um, was appalled, or maybe maybe not appalled, but was surprised that when she was going well, as she was entering the Capitol, she she was was she calls it maced. She was maced in in her face and was not allowed to enter the the, the Capitol. Um, and when asked why she was there, do you remember what she said, Curtis? I, I do. She said she was there for a revolution. Right, 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 right. So, Curtis, do you and I are, are both? quite significant like political history buffs what typically happens in a revolution death (laughs) lots and lots of death and violence and blood and gore because you are attempting to change an order this is not something that is taken lightly but unfortunately and this is a reflection of and i'm just going to say it the stupidity that exists in western society because of the lack of education that we have where people don't actually understand words like revolution and the gravity behind them. Man, Man. you went into the Capitol building thinking you were going to get to sit at Nancy Pelosi's desk and write stupid notes, which your other colleagues did. But when you get tear gas in your eyes, you even have the guts to go back outside, speak to media, give them your name and your coordinates and tell them that you are appalled that you weren't allowed to storm the Capitol building. The stupidity is unreal. Unreal. But so is the level of entitlement. Mm -hmm. You thought we were going to allow you to storm the Capitol, 
to take things over. And honey, Elizabeth, honey, <laughs> you don't even have a grievance. You don't even have a grievance. What's the problem, Liz? Anyway, okay. So what's what's really important to me is not, you know, the fact that if this was brown and black people, they would have been treated differently. We know that. That goes without saying. We live in the skin. So we know that. What's really important to me here is to discuss how how just being angry and 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 and, and you know, not being happy with the results of a democratic election, that doesn't give you the right to completely decimate the value of an entire democratic system. That's really what I want us to start talking about. I hear you on that. I it, hear you on that. It's 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 crazy. And you know, perhaps I don't I don't want to say as a credit, but you know, Trump did after all of this chaos had ensued for most of the day, Trump did later in the afternoon release a video in which he called on the group to quote go home and go home in peace saying, we love you, you're very special, end quote. Madness. Curtis, I don't like that special word. Hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't deal with it. So you're not condemning anyone's behavior. You are reinforcing the fact that they are special, different, privileged, and and entitled to behave this way. Mm-hmm. And what we saw on January 6th were so many examples of how these people think that they're special. They they came with their Jesus 2020 banners, which, by the way, it's 2021. So you might want to update your banner. Um, and, and they and they with their banners said, you know, that, that they were Christians enacting the will of God. Curtis, they believe that they're storming the Capitol building and that they are enacting the will of God. Yep. Then uh, another group, well, maybe not that, another another group, but another faction of the same group came with Confederate flags. And the, the whole idea of the Confederate flag thing is, is weird because you lost. You, you know that that flag is a symbol of the fact that you lost, fam. Yep. Why are you still donning that flag like it offers you some kind of special consideration. And those same folks who who donned the Confederate flag built a a noose outside of the U.S. Capitol. They wanted to show us, us black and brown people, that they can still hang us. They wanted to threaten us. They, They wanted us to feel uncomfortable. So this is not peaceful. They are not protesters. This, they're not special, and and there must be consequences. What are your thoughts on on everything that 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 has happened this week? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. You're right. Um, what we saw on January sixth was the culmination of the sedition that Trump and his cronies have been putting out over the past five and a half years. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, it led to an insurrection. And um, it's what progressives, not, no, not even just progressive, everybody who is thoughtful and understanding of political science has been worried about for years. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, I, I kind of wanted to touch on um, Biden's response. There's something that he said. He said, this isn't the real America, but he's wrong. He's very wrong. Yeah. Um, 
It's exactly who they are. And it's who they've always been. There's this, there's this always, there's this constant attempt to wax over America's evils that they do to themselves over and over and over again. And I, I just don't accept that pre- premise. Like Rudy Giuliani at the rally before sending off his, his mob to do the insurrection, he said, let's have trial by combat. What? Crazy. And then I find it incredible, too, that the media, like even the New York Times, is writing about Republican actions throughout the insurrection to make them look like heroes now. Like Mike Pence, for example, who said, quote, to those who wreaked havoc in our capital today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. And this is still the people's house. What? Bro, you've been part of the you've been part of the sedition that's been feeding this. Yep. Or Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, well, he's now Minority Leader, ha ha ha, who said, quote, the failed insurrection had only clarified Congress's purpose. They tried to disrupt our our democracy. They failed. You've been holding up progress for as long as you've been in that chamber, fam. Yep. You've also propped up Trump at every turn. What are you talking about? So look, whether they outright supported the insurrection or not, the fact remains They've been supporting Trump and his brand of politics from the jump. They're literally responsible for why we're here today. Absolutely. I would go even further to say not only were they supporting it, they were encouraging it. Yes. Yes. And here's here's where I'll end off. I want to bring it back to the Canadian example because this harkens back to when Acadian fishermen showed their ass by physically attacking Mi'kmaq fishermen and the RCMP did nothing. Not a goddamn thing. Choosing to act like absolute pylons while their white brothers became violent. And so, yes, let's pay attention to the U.S. because, well, they're important to us, right? But are we really paying attention to the parallels that exist here at home? The same blatant display of white supremacy shown in the U.S. Capitol on January 6th showed itself in Nova Scotia in October. Jumping to questions for the audience. So we talked about it already, but did you pick up on the similarities of what happened in the U.S. Capitol with their police doing nothing to stem the insurrection and our RCMP enabling white violence against Mi'kmaq fishermen? Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. We now have our own Instagram page dedicated to the podcast. Follow us at The Drift TO. Black people, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Stephen Fissett, who graciously provided artwork for this podcast. If you like what you see, you can find him on Instagram at Scarborough Debutante. That's Scarborough, D-E-B-U-T-A-N-T-E, for all your graphic design needs. See y'all next time. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 